First, pray, God, that you would soften our hearts, that there would be no defense in us, God, that we would be willingly ready to receive uh, this word, not as a word of men, but, God, as what it really is, the word of God. So, God, I pray that you would tether my, my preaching to the truth, Lord. I pray that I would not say anything that is outside of your will. So, God, I pray that as I announce your word, that you would preach through me by the power of the Holy Spirit to the people whom I love, whom you have given me to shepherd. And, God, I pray that through this word that you would help them understand how they should respond to their shepherds, God. And not only to their shepherds here in this church, but, God, to the great shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, who sanctified us through his blood by bearing approach outside the camp. Oh, God, we are so grateful for Christ. We pray that his name would be glorified this hour. Make much of the name of Jesus. Make much of um, our lives together that it would be a better reflection of your great and glorious gift of salvation. So, Father, we, we humbly ask that you would move in this hour. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the last five or six months, I've been to a lot of, of weddings. Uh, some people who are back with us, Heather and James, um, welcome back from Alaska. Uh, shortly married, uh, Riley and Hope a few uh, weeks ago. Uh, John and Jamie are celebrating their anniversary today of one year, right? Just weddings all over the place. And every time you go to a wedding, what happens is it, it, you see a man and a woman, and they become different. They no longer are just simply a man and a woman, but they are husband and Wife. And inevitably, when the preacher is going to preach, he's going to say something to the husband, say something to the wife that's going to bind them together. Uh, when I got married to my wife almost 13 years ago, my wife and I's relationship just it changed. You know, there's certain things that I'm called to do to all people, especially to all women, be kind and gracious. Um, but there's something very uniquely I'm called to be for, for my wife. I'm, I'm called to be her, her leader, her husband, to, to care for her, to protect her, to wash her with the washing of the word. And she's called to, to love and, and submit to and respect me as her husband. Uh, she may respect all men, but specifically, uniquely, she's called to respect and submit to me as her husband. In many ways, that's what we're going to kind of approaching this, this text this morning. You know, we, I have no problems many times when we see a preacher stand and tell a husband and a wife, this is how you're called to relate to each other, right, as husband and wife. Well, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult, especially for a pastor, to, to, to tell you how you're called to relate to me as your pastor. Uh, because primarily, I am not just pastor. I am the pastor of the people of Park Baptist Church. You are members of Park Baptist Church. And how you respond to me, there's certain things in the scriptures that God commands you as members of this church, how you respond to your pastor. And Lord willing, to your pastors, plural. That's the goal, right? So that you're not only how to respond to me as your pastor, but to respond to your pastors as we move towards a plurality of elders. This is the last sermon in this, this little short series on elders. I pray it's been beneficial to you. Um, so we're going to look at five things that I think that you're called to do and how you relate to your pastor or to your pastors or elders. The first thing that you're called to do is prayerfully remember your elders. Prayerfully remember your elders. Now, I'm using elders, pastors, shepherds interchangeably, interchangeably, 
right? I think the, the, the one that's used most often for leaders in the church is elders. That's the word that I'm using. Typically, we use the word pastors. That's only used one time in the New Testament. But the, 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 what pastors or elders do is pastor or shepherds. That's why we use that term more often. If you look at your text, Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Now, there's several things, ways that we can remember our leaders. But here's my, my first challenge for you, is that you would prayerfully remember your leaders, right? That you would pray. Here's why I, I think we're called to pray uh, for our elders. Because we know that only God can do um, by, by prayer and the power of the Spirit to bring things to accomplish in, in people's lives and to the life of the church. So several things that I would ask you to pray for your elders, myself and Lord willing, multiple as time goes on. Number one, pray for a holy life. I'm so thankful that many of you pray for me regularly. And many of you have told me numerous times that you pray for me every day, and I'm so grateful for that. Here's what I want you to do. When I want you to pray that pastors would have a holy life, that I would have a holy life. We even see this in, in the end of this section in Hebrews 13, verse 18. It says, pray for us, that, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. So be praying, asking the church there to pray for the, to, to pray for the, the, the author of this letter, probably one of the apostles. We don't know. Pray for them that they would have a clear conscience, acting honorably in all things. Also, be praying for bold preaching. I pray that when, when the offertory happens and we give our resources to the Lord, a couple of things happen in your own heart. One, you'd be praying that you would be ready to hear God's word. That, you, that your heart is softened, that God prepare my heart to hear God's word. And then pray for boldness in the proclamation of the gospel. Now you see this in Colossians 4, 3 and 4. Paul tells the church there, at the same time, pray also for us, <clears throat> that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So you pray for boldness and you pray for clarity. The word of God goes forth. The only way it's going to have an effect is if it's accompanied by the Spirit of God. And that is not just the job of the preacher. That is the job of the congregation when we gather. So if people are going to be coming to Christ under the preaching ministry of this pulpit, it's not primarily of the, only the preacher of the pulpit. It's the, the people in the pew who are praying that God's word would go forth with clarity and power. The same way he says in Ephesians chapter 6, at the end of that great section of the, putting on the armor of God, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, which I am in the, an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So what we do every Sunday is, is what we just say. Come, behold the wondrous mystery of Christ crucified for sinners. When I preach, I pray that you would pray that I would be bold to declare that mystery clearly and without fault. A couple of things more specifically, more practically, things that I would ask you to pray for, your elders. Now remember, I'm saying this not only for myself, but for the, the men who would stand beside me. Number one, pray scripture over the elders. Uh, pray for their qualifications. You know, take, open your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Turn to Titus chapter 1. 
Now turn to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Turn to Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And pray that we would be faithful to those texts. That we would have lives of character. And that we would be bold in teaching and shaping this congregation around the word. Pray for that. Pray for Philippians 1, uh, 9 through 11. That our love may abound more and more in the knowledge of Christ. Right? Pray that God would, would take root in our hearts. Uh, pray Colossians 1, uh, 9 and through 14. Pray for the wisdom and the walk of, of the elders. That we would walk in wisdom. Walk in a manner worthy of, of the gospel. Being filled with all spiritual wisdom. Now, it's, it's simple. You know exactly where the texts are. You open it up and you say, Father, and you pray that over your elders, pastors. Or pray Ephesians 1, 15 through 21 and 15 through 23. 3, 14 through 21, just Paul's prayers uh, uh, to the church. Care for the souls of, of your elders. And lastly, just pray thankfully for the elders. Do you know that God, in his sovereign plan, has given you people to teach you? Pastors are looked at in the scriptures as gifts to the church. He gave at pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. So God gives you elder pastors to build you up. And that's primarily many of you. I've only been your pastor for five years. Some of you have had pastors for a lot longer than that, right? Uh, B.F. Hawkins, way back when, right, Max? Right, he was here for 14. Clive Fox, 17 after that. You had these long line of men who poured their souls and their lives into the Word of God and into you. And when you remember them, you can say, thank God for them. I look back at the pastors that I've had in my life, I can thank God that they spoke the Word of God to me molding me and shaping me. If I do any good as a pastor, I know it's because of the, the word of God that was spoken to me in the past. So I pray that you would be thankful for the shepherds that God gives. Now, hear me. This is God, the sovereign king of the universe, and his good sovereign providence says, I'm going to give you shepherds to care for your soul. Number one, prayerfully remember your elders. Number two, Practically respect your elders. Practically respect your elders. This is really the, a combination there of that second uh, half of, of verse 7. It says, remember that your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. One of the ways that we, we respect those who are our leaders is we thank them for their service. We respect what they do for us. And they, 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 what, they labor in preaching the word of God to you. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can look at it on the screen behind us. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be anchored in, in Hebrews today, but I just want you to see this in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says these words. We ask you, brothers, speaking to the church, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So those are the three things that elders here are called to do. They're called to labor, right, to give themselves the task of shepherding, caring, preaching, admonish you, warn you, correct you. If you're going astray, we warn you, don't go that way. Go the, you're going the wrong direction. Admonish, correct, and we um, are over you in the Lord. We oversee. That's what elders do. They oversee your walk with Christ to make sure that you are moving closer and closer to the Lord. And it goes on, it says, to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So, pastor elders labor, they are over you in the Lord, and they admonish you. But then it says to the congregation, respect and highly esteem them. 
So how do you do that? Well, here's a couple of things that I would just commend to you. How do you respect your leaders? Okay? Number one, hear and consider the preaching of the Word of God. The number one things that pastors do for you is preach the Word of God. They teach the Word of God. They have the, the discipleship in the Word ministries. That's what we are called to do primarily. So, very basically, you're called to hear. I mean, show up to church, right? Show up to the gathering of the saints to hear the Word of God. And if you see people who are, who are faithful members of this church not here, bring them back. Help them respect the hearing of the Word of God for the labor over it. And not only just to hear it, but to consider it. So when, when the Word of God goes forth, make sure you're ready to hear the Word of God. One of the reasons why we stand before the Word of God is, is preached. It's reminding ourselves that we're submitting to the Word. Not to a man, but we're submitting to a, a Word. Consider what the Word has said. And if, if a pastor elder does not preach what is true, let him know. I'm so grateful for, for those of you in this congregation who have come to me at different times and said, Pastor, I'm concerned about this in the preaching. I'm not sure if I hear enough emphasis on this. Well, then I have to consider that. That helps me grow as, as a pastor, caring for your, for your souls. Number one, hear and consider the word of God. Number two, thank God for your leader's strengths. And when you think about your, your leaders, one way you respect them is you thank God for the, the gifts that God has given them for you. Because remember, gifts are primarily, that God gives us, are primarily not for us. They're primarily you give to others. So if someone has been given the, the gift of encouragement, we thank God for that gift to that one person, how that gift is used on, on others. It's probably not, primarily not given to the person who is the encourager, but to those who are getting encouraged. You see how that works? So when, when elders are eldering and shepherding well, thank God for their gifts. Because those are of the Lord. And also just pray for their weaknesses. Elders, pastors have weaknesses. I know mine very acutely, right? One of the weaknesses that I have is sometimes out of my zeal and maybe out of my desire to please people. Sometimes it's, it's a good motivation and sometimes it's not. Sometimes I say things that I realistically can't accomplish. I just, I, I promise things that I can't deliver on. So I'm, it's a weakness of mine, right? I let, I've let people down in the life of this church because I've overpromised something that I did not deliver because I was, I was not practicing self-control with my tongue. Pray for that weakness. Pray for that weakness, right? Don't be embittered by it. Because if, if Lord willing, we have a multiple uh, number of pastors here, there's going to be some godly gifts that these men have. And there's also going to be some weakness. If you look at any great influencer in the history of the world, especially people who are incredibly intelligent. Uh, me and my wife were thinking about this with John Calvin just the other day. John Calvin, a great mind. I'm reading a lot of his stuff for my class coming up. Yet he was very cold and kind of short when he dealt with people, right? God doesn't give every gift to every person, right? He gives certain gifts and then he gives them weaknesses as well. Thank God for the elders. Strengths, pray for their weaknesses. Number four, give them trust. You know, by God's grace, you have given me a lot of trust in your lives, and I'm so, I'm so thankful for it. But in, in, the, in the months and, and, and um, years ahead, there's going to be multiple elders uh, eldering and shepherding and pastoring for the first time. 
And there's sometimes in our, in our minds we say, well, they have to earn my trust first before I give it. I'm asking you to flip that around. I'm asking you to give them trust until they, they don't earn it anymore. Extend that gracious gift of trust. Because remember that elders are gifts from God, given to you for your building up. Give them trust. And number five, think of how you yourselves can esteem the elders. This is a command in God's word. It says, respect those who are over you. And number two, it says, esteem them highly in love because of their work. So personally, how can you esteem your leaders? Can encourage them and highly honor them. Sometimes it's simply when someone else is in your presence, you speak well of your, of your shepherds. That's a simple way. I'm so grateful for, for, for this congregation. I can probably tell you every single week, Probably for the last six months, and I'm not even joking, every single week for the last six months, I have received some sort of encouragement or esteem from somebody in this congregation. That is a gift of God. And you know why I know it's a gift of God? Because I am, my personality receive, when I, when I get affirmation, I receive love, right? And it drives me to continue to serve the Lord. That's my, my personality. And I think God has, woke, has brought certain individuals in our church to encourage me at different times when exactly when I need it. Praise God for that. But remember, it's not just me. When we have other elders, learn their, their, uh, the way that you can esteem them in love. How you can encourage them. It could be a book. Uh, it could be a word of prayer. It could be a thank you. Right? Just esteem your leaders. And here's just a word. The ending of, of 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Be at peace among yourselves. Unity and peace and harmony is so crucial in the life of the church. So, what I've been proposing and moving towards is a plurality of elders. Usually what ends up happening is that a conflict that can tend to arise is, well, what about the deacons and what about the elders? How do they relate to each other? Well, understand this, that a deacon and an elder, neither one is more important than the other. They both just have different functions. Right? In God's sovereign providence, he has he set aside deacons for the service of the body, the service of the physical needs of the members, the, the service for the, the physical needs of the facility, the service for watching out for the finances, caring for that. While, while the end, elders are primarily set aside to teach and care for the souls of the people of God. Neither one is, is more important. How, how do you know that? Well, have you ever had pain in your body? Does it just, just affect your body? No, it affects your soul, right? If, 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 if our physical natures are, are suffering and the deacons aren't doing their job, the soul suffers. And if the elders are not caring for the soul well, the, the, they're, they're, they're not going to work together. So we have to really strive to work on, be at peace among ourselves, right? But the, the Bible is very clear. Those who are elder pastors are overseers. They oversee the, the spiritual needs of the life of the church, and the deacons come alongside and, and support and submit to them and serve them so that the, the ministry of the word of God can go forth. And I'm so grateful for our deacons. Man, our deacons just love this body and are giving themselves in service. Number three here uh, that you're called to do is purposefully reflect your elders. We see this right in the text. Go back to Hebrews 13 for me. Thir Hebrews 13, verse 7. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider 
the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This is a common theme throughout the Bible, is it says we want leaders to be examples to the flock. So consider the outcome of their lives, not just of how they're living, but what their life is producing. What is the life producing in, in a marriage? What is the life producing in, in their children? What is the life producing in their jobs? What is the life producing in their, in their ministry and caring for others? Consider that outcome. Watch that way of life. And then do what? Imitate their faith. Follow them. Listen to this, these scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14.6, I urge you then, Paul says, be imitators of me. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Philippians 3.17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 2 Thessalonians 3.7, for you yourselves know you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. Now, if, if a pastor comes to you and says, follow me as I follow Christ or imitate my faith, that seems presumptuous, doesn't it? It just seems kind of, kind of arrogant, brash, and prideful. And yet, that is the, the theme throughout the scriptures. This is why, that two sermons ago, we talked about the character of an elder is so important. You find godly men who love Jesus, who want to be like Jesus, and you, you, you put them as models for the congregation. Now, some of you I look up to because of how you walk with Christ. And yet, by God's grace, we're bringing a lot of people in who are young in the faith. Well, how does someone who's young, how do they learn? They learn by example and imitation. So I was in college, and I was discipling a young man named Dan Craig. I was a senior, and he was a sophomore. And uh, I discipled him for probably a year and a half. And uh, one, one day, we, we were having a, a Bible study, and he was sharing some things to me. Uh, and he was giving me, sharing with me things that I told him a year and a half ago. Right? He was kind of telling me things back, back to me. And it was, it was just a beautiful picture of discipleship. You learn from others. Right? It happens just kind of simultaneously. Someone pours out, and that person receives, and that person uh, pours, pours back. One of my favorite pictures of this is Philippians 4, 8, 9. Many of you know this verse. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. Great verse. Then it says this. What you have learned and received and heard and, or received and, heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul's saying, listen, all those things you should see in my life. So elders, right, those who aspire to be elders, your life should be peaceable. Your life should be noble. Your life should be excellent. Your life should be praiseworthy in how you live it. But you can't do that outside of the, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. This is why the, the church needs to pray that God would raise up faithful elders who resemble 1 Timothy chapter 3. Blameless, above reproach, hospitable. And really what you see here, even in this very passage, it's just interesting because it's, it kind of, it's almost like bookend. You have chapter, uh, verse 7 of Hebrews 3, it says, Remember your leaders, consider their outcome of their way of life, imitate their faith. In chapter 17, it talks about obey and submitting to your leaders. Then right there in the middle, you have this beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who is enduring suffering. So look at, look at God's word. Look at verse 8 and following. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teaching, for it is 
good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not been benefited by these, those who devoted to them. And this is, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the body of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. And you want to circle this verse in your Bibles. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continue to offer of sacrifice, of praise to God, that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The whole point of this chapter is that you would go outside the camp and bear the reproach of the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole point, the reason why you have elders, shepherds, the reason why God gave the church was to rescue you from the domain of darkness and bring you to that city that is to come. He wants you to be identified with Jesus Christ who took our sins, who bore our reproach outside the camp. Dead, was dead and buried, was raised from the dead to give new life to the people of God so that we can also go outside and bear the reproach of the world so that we would look forward to that great day when the Lord will come in all his glory. So what I'm talking to you guys about is not merely, hey, this is how I want you to treat me. This is what I want as a pastor. I want you to be nice to me. Please don't hear that. I want you to, to, to respect and honor your shepherds so that you can bear the reproach of Jesus Christ. So that you can stand and endure when suffering comes around us. And that is exactly what happened in, in, in this church, and that is exactly what's happening in our world. The more and more you stand for Jesus Christ in America today, you will be marginalized and put outside the camp. And the problem is there's a lot of evangelicals who want to get back into camp. They don't like people looking at them in, 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 with, a, with a cross look. So evangelicals are running to, to be inside the camp, and they're saying a lot of things that God says is sin and that he hates is okay. If you're going to stand for Jesus outside the camp, you're going to be maligned, ridiculed, and mocked. And God has given you shepherds to model that for you so that you can endure the reproach of Christ. Two more. Number five, purposely relinquish to your elders. Probably one of the most difficult things, most unnatural thing that God asked his people to do. Verse 17 of chapter 13 of Hebrews. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, typically, when, when you, you, you hear this, let's just make sure that we understand the why he's saying this. What is the purpose? Now, the purpose of the obey and the submit, which we'll get to here in a second, uh, the purpose is because these elders are keeping watch over your souls. They're watching to make sure you are right in the Lord. So pastor elders do what? They give themselves to reading the Word of God, to knowing the Word of God, to writing the Word of God in our hearts, 
and then giving the word of God to the people of God, forming them in sound doctrine. And when wolves come in from inside or outside the church, they, they, they hunt them down and keep people in the gospel. And you know that they will have to give an account for your souls. I've, I've shared this numerous times with you before, but one day I'm going to have to stand before God and how I cared for you. I'll have my own judgment, then I'll have my judgment of how I cared, cared for you. Did I help you bear the reproach of Christ? Did I help you stand in the gospel? Did I help you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Did I help you sacrifice the things of this world, the, the things that charm you most? Did I help you sacrifice them to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what I'm going to be held accountable for. And yet he calls the church to submit and obey the elders. That is very unnatural. Why? Because everything in our society tells you that you have the right to challenge authority. Authority is one of the biggest issues of our day, as it is in any day. Look at how people handle authority, and you can tell if they love the Lord or not, or if they're immature. How you handle godly authority is a picture of your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says here, obey and submit. That means that you have to accept the decisions of the elders. If they are under Christ, and it is not sinful... God is challenging you to submit and obey them because you don't have that same responsibility, right? You can voice your concerns, but we, when, when I make decisions for the life of this church, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it in the view of that day when I stand before the Lord and he says, is this a good decision or not? This is going to help people love Christ or not. So sometimes I make decisions in the life of our church that you don't understand and you think I'm crazy. So can I give you one? I'll give you one that I made that people may think that I'm crazy for. Um, I got asked to do an Easter egg hunt before, Chris, before Easter. Pastor, is it okay if we do an Easter egg hunt at the church to, for, the, for the church kids? Right? And I said, no. We will not do an Easter egg hunt. Why? Because I do not want to mix the death, burial, and resurrection with worldly, carnal things like an Easter egg hunt and diminish the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that may sound harsh, okay? But that was the decision that I made. Does that make sense? Those kind of decisions happen all the time behind the scenes. Now, it was a very strategic decision on, on my part, and I'm glad that my kids got candy other ways, okay? Because I ate some of it. But if, if Rock Hill can have an Easter egg hunt at Cherry Park, we don't need to have one here. We have been given a mission to steward the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our mission, right? And if it's not going to, to, to make the name of Jesus Christ more glorious and it's going to diminish the, the gospel, we don't want to do it. That's what an elder does. That's a decision that I have to make. Now, you may not be happy with that decision, but I just love Easter egg hunts. I'm sorry. Now, you have a choice. I mean, let's say you really are passionate about Easter egg hunts. Just use, let's play the analogy out. Passionate about Easter egg hunts. And, and your leaders say, it's not a good idea, we don't want to do it. You can get angry and bitter and leave the church. These people don't love kids. You could that, could that could be a legitimate response. I'm sure it's happened before. Or you could say, okay, I don't agree with this decision, but I trust my elders. And God says I need to obey and submit to them. And I want to please the Lord. I want to do what is good and what is right in his eyes. So even though I don't agree with them, I'm going to trust him. That's what I'm calling you to do. And obey and submit. Now, I could share personal stories with you. I don't have time this morning, but I could share personal stories with you how I was challenged by my elders to do something that was very uh, difficult. 
and I read this text and I was challenged and I said, yes, I'll do it. And I submit to my elders. And I will never, ever regret that decision for what it has done for my life and my family. Um, and just know this. It says right here uh, at the end, it says, let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. So here's the thing. How you handle your elders, how you, you submit and respect and obey your leaders is a direct implication on your soul. Okay? Has anyone ever taken a bike ride? Okay? Maybe not. Um, well, if you're, if you're taking a bike ride and you're riding on asphalt, it's pretty smooth. Right? If you go downhill, even better. But what happens if you start going uphill? It's a, it's a challenge, right? You still have the bike, right? It's just a whole lot harder. You've got you to you grimace through it. If you're riding on, 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 on the sand versus you're riding on asphalt, those are two, two very different experiences, right? One enables easier um, travel. So if you, how you handle your shepherds, how you esteem them, how you respect them, makes it easier for them to care for your soul. There have been people in the life of this church who are, have been very difficult to pastor. They don't, want, they don't want to submit to the elders. They didn't respect the elders. They just didn't want any of that. So, what does an elder do? He shepherds their soul. Because I'm going to give an account for their soul as I'm going to give an account to the person who's happy as, as a clam. It doesn't change the responsibility of an elder. But here's what the problem is. is When that person is angry and bitter and doesn't respect, they, they are harder to pastor and because they're harder to pastor, everybody else gets less shepherd. So when you don't handle yourself well in the life of the body, it's going to affect other people in the body. So can we just make a commitment that we want to make the pavement of our church like asphalt so it's easy to shepherd? Because if not, the Bible says it's no advantage to you. How you submit to the elders is an advantage to you. Well, I've, I've gone too long again. I'm sorry, Max. Let's go to the last point. Uh, patiently rejoice in the elder. Patiently rejoice in the elder. I love how, he, how the author of Hebrews kind of ends this, is winding down this message, and he gets right there in verse 20. And he says this beautiful benediction. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. When you see the word Lord Jesus, you, you know that he is, he is the, the resurrected king. Right? He is the Lord who conquered death. And this Lord who conquered death has another title right here. It is the, the great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, we want to hold on to the, to the great shepherd of the sheep. The one who stepped outside the camp to bear our sins, to, to save us with the blood of his eternal covenant. The promise that he made to us is eternal life. So that whatever we face in this life, we know that we have a city that is yet to come. Even in chapter 12 of this book, the, the, this, the kingdom that will not be shaken. And yet, while we patiently wait for our shepherd to come, we want to do his will. And we want to do all things good and for his glory glorious name. So, so I pray as you deal with the shepherds in this church, that you would pray that the shepherds in this church would reflect the great shepherd. 
That's what we want. Every time I do a funeral, when I listen to the family, this is what I do. I I ask the family to tell me their story of the person who died, and all I'm looking for is how that person saw reflected Christ. How did that person reflect the gift of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? I pray that when you look at the shepherds of this church, when we breathe our last and we are no more, that you'll be able to see time and time again how our lives reflected the life of the great shepherd. And I pray that you would have that same life, that your life would reflect the life of the great shepherd, the one who laid down his life, who bled to purchase us for his great glory. Let's pray. Father, help us shepherd well. Help us to respond to our shepherds well. God, help us look forward to the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died and rose again and has promised us that he's going to come and give us a city where you will be our God and we will be your people. Until that day, Lord God, I pray that you would help us live in a way that is pleasing in your sight, that we would be equipped to do that which is good and for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.